Welcome to the Time Machine. Experience the cancer journey through the eyes of the traveler. Welcome back to the Time Machine. Happy Father's Day. Today is a very special day, and today I'd like to share with you a very special story. This story is titled, I Love My Yard, and it was first given on September 11th, 2018 at the Montana Gallery at Story Night. It was the very first time I had attended Story Night. I had no idea what it was, what the platform was, if I'd have an opportunity to share, or if I even had anything to share. It was one month after I was diagnosed with cancer, a few weeks after my first round of chemo, and I stepped into Story Night and stepped into storytelling. I'm done. That's it. Now, I'd like to uh, thank Andy Cannell, um, a friend of mine from Virginia when I went to school. He contacted me last August about um, how he could help. I haven't talked to him in 20 years. And he said, do you have a GoFundMe page? And I said, no. And I said, I don't, I'm not comfortable with that because it felt weird to me. Um, not, I love GoFundMe. I think it's great. I think it's great for people and people have been helped. But I just felt like the words GoFundMe were like, you go, you know, like, fund me. And so it felt a little weird, and I thought, well, why does that feel weird? So it got me thinking, and I thought, well, I, I think it's a great thing. But I realized what I wanted was an exchange. For me, I want time and moments with people, and I love the support. We've got so much support in so many ways, and we're so thankful for it. But I realized what I wanted was to be able to have something to give to my friends and to my family. And so that's where, you know, this event came from. And I want a special thank you to Tyler Murphy, because without him, um, this wouldn't be happening because what happened, the way I met Tyler was through, Tyler owns Montana Gallery, he's a fantastic artist, has a piece here. Um, right after I was diagnosed, I had, um, I looked online and it was a time where I was kind of shifting. And I'm gonna give you this real quick before the first story. So um, I was kind of shifting into, um, you know, health and family and kind of what's next. And I saw on Facebook, a friend story night popped up, Montana Gallery. I was like, oh, I wonder what that is. And so I went to it. And um, when I got there, Tyler got up and, and it was a room like this and it's in his gallery and there's art everywhere. And it was just a beautiful environment. And um, people would get up and just tell stories. Sometimes they would get up in two sentences and sit down and some would tell a story about their stinky feet or about anything. And so I wasn't sure if I'd tell a story that night, but then Tyler, when he opened up, he talked about um, Alcoholics Anonymous. And so um, he's an alcoholic painter, and he was, he was at Alcoholics Anonymous, and he, he found that there's um, groups um, that when he was there, that there was listeners and people could talk. And so as a raging alcoholic, he found that as a, yeah. And so um, he, when he opened up that way, I thought, well, that's interesting because I may or may not have had a little dance with the alcohol. Um, some of the guys here maybe danced together in that, Mr. Duffy. And um, so 
Anyways, um, I thought about that and I, I found that to be true that I had, had moments where um, when I, I went to those kind of groups, I could, I could talk. So, um, and I had a, you know, uh, for those that don't know me from, from the past, I did, you know, uh, spend a, I had a good 15 years of heavy addiction, alcoholism, and, um, and, you know, a lot of that came through bad ideas and thoughts and things I read, you know, some trauma and some things that happened in life that kind of I didn't know what to do with, and, and then I started to, even though I was really opposed to, to those things, once I did, I self-medicated, and I'm not a victim. Um, I chose to do that, but as you trace your life back, you can see that's where it started. And so, um, you know, I had these, these different, you know, people I would listen to, the, the 60s generation of musicians and, and the beatniks and all these people I started to, to read and, you know, um, I would take some of these mottos, you know, like William Blake, you know, the road of excess leads to the palace of wisdom. I was like, yes, I'm taking that road. You know, and then there was, um, I was a big fan of the Beach Generation and Jack Kerouac, um, in his book On the Road, he said, he described the people that he, he was with, because the ones I shambled after were the mad ones, the ones who were mad to live, mad to talk, mad to be saved, desirous of everything at the same time, the ones that never yawned or said a commonplace <laughs> thing, but burned, 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 like a fabulous yellow Roman candle, exploding like a spider across the sky. And in the middle, when the blue center line popped, everybody just went, ah. And I was in. I'm like, yes, that's me. I'm a mad one. And so I did that for years and years and years. And um, you know, it was very destructive. So when I heard another alcoholic speak about it, raging um, alcoholic <laughs> painter, um, when I... Uh, when um, it, it kind of moved me to, to tell a story. And so um, he's not an alcoholic. He was there with somebody. And yeah, maybe he is, I don't know. But really, truly, the story was that he went with, with somebody to support and he saw that. And so, um, you know, that's, it's supposed to be anonymous, um, but I outed him. So, um, but interesting enough, um, so what happened was I came, I told a story, and for the next six uh, months, I told a story every month. At, at, at the Montana Gallery. And so I've chosen three stories from that time, the, the first story, the last story, and one in the middle to share. So that's what, that's what tonight is gonna be, is sharing the stories that originated with Tyler Murphy and what he provided the community with a, with a place. Now I did have a couple of requests last minute um, from people that wanted to hear stories about, um, they didn't know the format and the stories were already done, and they wanted to hear um, stories about breaking and entering um, running from the cops, um, some, I think, arrests, and I'm thinking, who, who's going to want to hear those kind of stories? Richard Duffy and Steve Robinson. Those are the guys. In a family event, that's what they want to hear. So, and then I heard, hey, give a deep story. I'm like, because oh, the first story is about my yard, so that's as deep as it's going to go. So anyways, here we go. So it was actually September 11th last year when um, the second Tuesday, Montana Gallery, and that's when I came in. And, and um, at that time, I was obsessed in, with my yard. <laughs> I don't know if there's those kinds out there that are, yes, right here. But it was, I was so invested, it was, it was you know, kind of bordering on, on madness because I would be out in my yard all the time working on my yard. 
And I thought if my neighbors could hear me because I would speak to my yard and I'm like, you can do it. Like, grow, like you can do this. And I was very affirming, you know, and like, you know, grow, grow and be strong, don't be scared. And, and, um, and I did, I would say these things. And, and so I, I, I'm sure I sounded crazy. And then it got worse because I was so passionate about my yard that there's times that I would like, to God, grow, make it grow, and please, please, please. And, and I would cry. I literally would cry. So it's a little bit kind of bordering on, on obsessed and madness. So, um, yeah, I was a little invested in my yard. But there's a reason for it, and the reason was we'd been there for eight years. And um, the first six years, no problems in the backyard, huge backyards. The kids were out there all the time. But we had a guy that had a yard of dandelions, and it was just a sea of them. And I think they must have flew over because, you know, two years ago I had dandelion problem for the first time. So I went and got some poison, weed killer, and <laughs> killed them. Next year, last year, they um, were joined with those, um, what are they called, the, the goat heads. You know what those are? Those, and across the fence in the other way, they were everywhere, but they finally made it over. So other people's problems became my problems. And so I was going to take care of it, and so I went and got some of the poison. And um, I'm not really good with math. And so when I was doing the parts per whatever, and you hook it up to the water, and you have the sprayer, so I put, put it in, and, and I thought, oh, that looks good, and sprayed. And when I got through it all, and it, you know, it has that kind of wide shower spray, and then it has the really straight laser. So after I sprayed everything, I'd see a dandelion over there, and I'd get it real you know, laser-like, and I'd go <laughs> and just was taking care of everything. But I had stuff left. I thought, well, I don't want to just, you know, dump it. And so I just cranked it up again, and I went for a second round because it takes like 48 to 72 hours after before your kids can play. And I thought, how dumb if I go out here and do this, and then they're still here. So I'm like, let's just get it done. And so I do that, and I still have some more left, so I crank it to the fullest, and I'm like... <laughs> And it starts to foam, like aftershave. And I'm like, yeah, die, die, die. And so that comes next. So then I'm, I'm finally done feeling pretty accomplished. And next day, and then next day, done, weeds dead. And then next day, grass dead, and then dirt. And I'm like, what have I done? And I'm having these massive dirt, like you could park a car on these patches. And so I was like, whoa. So now you see I was a little upset with what I'd done. And, um, and so I'm, I'm obsessed. I'm out there. And I don't know what to do with it. And so I thought, well, what? I don't want to spend the money. So I'm like, well, I killed everything. Maybe the grass will grow back. So I let it grow back, and it's just all weeds. I'm like, oh. So now i got to go. So I'm battling this through the summer. And I'm like in it and getting bruised up. My wife's like, what are you doing? And now you're bruised, and we need to go figure out why you're bruising, and like, yeah, I got a yard to take care of. So anyway, so go do that process, and, and then um, there's actually more to it, because yeah, I destroyed the backyard, and it was, you know, scorched earth, like apocalypse now. Have you guys seen that movie? Like when the doors come on, this is the end, that ominous voice, yes. So I destroyed it, but I destroyed my kid's playground. And when we'd moved there, my kids were like three and four, and it was right before Josiah was born. And they used to go with their pajamas up to the back into the sliding glass window, and they'd put their nose up against it, and they would look out there. And there was always these bunnies that would hop around, and they'd go out and try to chase them. And 
And so because of that, I started telling them stories, bedtime stories about bunnies. And so they would burrow under this um, shack in the back we had, um, in um, the shed. And so I would tell them stories, and they all got names, they all got backstories, and they all got voices. And um, I would tell them stories every night. And this went on for years and years and years, so now it's like four years running. And it would always start like this. It was many and many years ago in a land far away, deep in the heart of the Billings Heights. At the end of a long road was a cul-de-sac, and in that cul-de-sac was a yellow-brown house. Behind that house where the wood fences met was a brown-trimmed shed with big doors. Beneath those doors was a hole. It was a rabbit hole that led to a rabbit palace. And in that palace lived five bunnies, the bunnies five. Daddy bunny, mommy bunny, and three baby bunnies. Together they were called the Hoppities. They lived together and loved together and played together and shared together. On this day, the Hoppities went out to play. And it would always start like that. Hop, hop, hippity hop, 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 hop. Hip, hop, hippity hop. And they'd go into the great wide open. And they would do, and they all had voices. And, and Mama Hopper sounded like Julia Childs. It's, oh my goodness, kids, go out to play. And so that was my, so we all had these distinctive voices and I had kind of a Clint Eastwood voice, you know? So big Hopper talks like this, you know? And so anyways, they all have, they all have these backstories. And then because of that, I started making more because I needed more characters. So it evolved into like 30 different characters from dragons to Bob the Bully Badger to the Riff Raffers. And these characters would, if they were struggling with something, like of a bully, then Bob the Bully Badger, and I would tell them stories about it and how they could work it out. And the Riff Raffers were the smokers and causing trouble and would steal stuff, and so they were, you know. So I had all, all of these characters. So when I scorched the backyard, like I destroyed their childhood and their memories and like just <laughs> destroyed it, so I'm like, ugh, you know. And um, so I was invested, so maybe that makes a little more sense of why I'm crying and crying out and grow you can do it don't be scared and then um you know I have an appointment with my wife and we go in and we go to see the doctor for the bruises and the doctor comes in I feel great and doctor comes in and says there's something wrong with your blood um, we're sending you a specialist live in the present you're like what did she just what and that was the day that I found out that I was dying and so when I would be home working, you know, on my yard, I was thinking of those things. And when I went to, um, on August 6th to see um, my doctor, and um, we had uh, the bone marrow um, biopsy, and when, when that came back, he said, Don, you have myodysplastic syndrome, and it's uh, blood cancer. And um, with this, there's only, you know, so many months you have, Best case scenario, what we can do is give you um, a chemotherapy that will just sustain your life, but you know it won't be a, a cure. And at best, if there's no issues and complications, you know we're talking months, 24 months at 30, you know. But it could be two or three. Like you don't don't know. And and so he asked me. He said, Don. He goes. He goes. This is strange that you have this. I said, You know, you're 47 at the time and. He said, most people get this when they're like in their 70s. It's, you know, so trying to figure out what triggered it and because you've ever been around Roundup. And I'm like, yes, this year I'm battling my yard and last year, you know. And he's like, he's like, no, this would have been a lot and for a lot of years. And I said, no, I've literally had that twice. He said, how about, you know, 
your lifestyle, have you ever done drugs or alcohol? And I'm like, yes, like a lot. And for years, and you know, when I did, I mean, I would, it was a career for me. I was a professional addict. And so, you know, he said, well, that's it. That's, that's what triggered this. And so when I went home, and I'm working on my yard, I'm thinking I've wrecked my kid's childhood, I've screwed up the yard. You know, I scorched earth it with poison, and I did the same to my body. And I did it to myself. The road of excess does not lead to the palace of wisdom, William Blake, it does not. And now my kids gotta pay for it, right? The, the weeds that came in the yard came from elsewhere. Other people's problems and they came in and I didn't do anything to bring those weeds in as a kid, but you know, um, and I'm not a victim, you just look back and, you're, and you see, I let certain things that happened to me and I didn't know what to do with them. And I, the trauma was enough that it made, you know, I, when I made these choices, I made bad choices. And so um, it was my fault and 100% and, and my fault. Now it's the reckoning, the payment of past dues, 10 years of sobriety and, and way in the rearview mirror. And now, now I have to, you know, pay that bill. And so, um, My brother Paul came over and he brought fertilizer and he brought seed. And we tilled the ground together and we put fertilizer and seed on it. And he brought over all of the stuff I needed to water it, the hoses. And that's when I started that process. And I thought to myself, when my doctor said, there's no, this chemotherapy is not it'll sustain your life for a while, but a transplant, you need a donor and you need a stem cell replacement. And, um, but that, that's a path to life. That's a possibility if you get a match. There's risk of death, but it's a path to life. And so my brother Paul came over and we worked that. And when I would be out there and I'd be looking at my yard, I'm like, you can do it. Like when I was thinking of chemotherapy, I didn't know what it was and I was scared. And so I'm like, don't be scared. You can do it. You can do it. And so, uh, when I am in my kitchen and I go and I put my nose up against that window and, and I look out into my backyard um, and I see the bunnies hopping around, hop, hop, hippity, hop, 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 hop. I think of Hop Hop. He's eight years old. He loves robots. He loves Legos. He has an engineering mind. He's so smart and he's got such a beautiful heart. Think of Soft Hop, she's seven. She has a dream of being an artist. She draws every day, for years, every day. She draws and she dances. Little Hop, he's got the best cowlick. <laughs> he's got these beautiful eyes and this cherub face. And when I snuggle before bed and I'll kiss him on the neck, I'll kiss him right here and he'll go, Dad, there's food in the kitchen. <laughs> and then Mama Hopper, she has an origin story and her name Slender Bunny. Um, 
She's a performer and a dancer. Not that kind. <laughs> An artist. I've never seen her equal. Love the way that she loves me, the way that she loves my kids, and the way that she loves my mom and my family, and the way that she loves story, and she loves the stage, whether it's, it's front and center as the lead or as the smallest part, any part, whatever she is, she's invested, and she loves it. And I love her love for the theater and her passion for that. So what I'm saying is, I really love my yard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.